I'm going to focus on prayer and fasting. I want to touch prayer first, just brief things. Man, there's, it's endless. Like, we could spend weeks, we could spend the whole year talking about prayer, but we're not going to. <laughs> we're not going to talk about it. We're going to make it a priority to do these things in our lives, not only just for 21 days either. This is kind of a restart. You know, we use a new year. A lot of people do restarts and stuff like that, whatever. We're not just doing something just to say we've done it. I got the t-shirt. No, I want to be changed. Don't you want to be changed? I'm grateful for where God has brought me and brought you in our lives, how faithful he has been, but I don't want to stay the same that I am because I still know that there's more growth for Jeff. How about you? There's more growth for you. And we get that as we, as we begin to just be focused and intentional about coming and, and, and really, you know, um, you know, how can I say, just like we lose focus of everything else around us and we gain focus of him so we can really see what's really going on around us. Amen? So I'm going to give you a couple things here. Uh, prayer, is vital. It's, it's, prayer is so vital to the kingdom advancement. I mean, without prayer... This is what, I don't know if you know who he is. He was a, a believer back in the day, theologian, A.T. Pearson. He said this, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. This is why we come together. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available. We, as we come together, we're not making our power available. Our power is nothing. We're making God's power available. Oswald Chambers, maybe you've heard of him. He had, he had this, this study that's very popular. It's called My Upmost for His Highest. He said this, prayer does not fit us for the greater works. Prayer is the greater works as we're lining up with God. Colossians 4, 2 says this, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. This is one of the things we're going to be focusing on in this new year having an attitude of thanksgiving. And as I've seen in my own life, and I've, I've projected to a different level in my prayer when I, I spend more time thanking God for what not only what he's done, like in a sense of what he's done for me already, but what he's already done through Christ, and I am appropriating that truth by thanking him for it, and therefore I am really receiving from him what he said he's already supplied. Thankfulness keeps you in a place of faith. In the church at large, we need to up our faith in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Andrew Murray, he said this, prayer is reaching out after the unseen and fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. So I want to give you a couple things about fasting. Some things I've already spoke before, you just get around. You could always go back to the beginning of the year or the, or the last sermon or so of, of each year in the beginning couple sermons, and you'll find a lot of different resources and things that we've spoken about before about fasting and prayer if you want to do that. But fasting is mentioned, whether you knew this or not, fasting is mentioned more than 70 times in Scripture. I'd say it's probably important if it's mentioned that many times. And here's nine reasons why people fasted in Scripture. When you see all the different 70-plus times in Scripture that people fasted, there's nine really categories of why they fasted. Here they are. To prepare for ministry. To seek God's wisdom. To seek God's power for protection. To express grief and to mourn. To repent and to return to God. To seek God's power for victory. To worship God, 
to seek God's favor in desperate situations and to engage in spiritual warfare. Now, if anybody wants, you know, when we're done with this, you can email me and I'll, I'll give you my notes. I, there's, I'm, not, there's, I'm not trying to hide anything from you. You guys can have all this. But there's a reason why we fast and pray together. And I want to take this from, this really, whenever I, I was taught this, it really just blew my mind about fasting and praying. And it's really in a story of Jesus. He was with the three. He was with James, Peter, and John. And they went up what is now known today as the Mount of Transfiguration. They went up to the mountain to pray, to be alone. And we know that the glory of God in a cloud came and surrounded Jesus and the three apostles. And uh, Moses and Elijah showed up. And they began to speak with Jesus about what was about to take place in Jerusalem and him being crucified. And what he was going to have to endure. And I think if you're going to have to endure what he had to endure, it's good to get a little pep talk before you get there, right? And they're up there, and uh, I'm not gonna, I don't want to focus on what happened up there. They come down, taking that picture. They're walking down, and, and Peter and them, they saw this. You know, they were, they were uh, really terrified. They didn't know what to do. And Jesus told them, listen, the things that you've heard and seen up here, don't tell anybody until after I raise from the dead. And as they're coming down the mountain, they walk into a confrontation where there's this gentleman who has a, a son who is possessed by a demon. And this demon has tried to throw, it's through his son in fires to try to destroy him, threw him in the water to try to drown him. And his father is desperate, so he came to Jesus. When you hear somebody doing miracles in your neighborhood and you have a need of a miracle, you're going to run to that place. And he, he, he went to the disciples of Jesus because at that time Jesus could not be found. He was, he was asking his disciples, cast this demon out of my son. Now, if you want to get into the, the chronological order, these disciples had already been sent out. Jesus had already sent out 70 others to go before him to places that he was going to preach. And he told them to go and heal the sick, cast out demons. And they came back and they were rejoicing and all. It said, even demons are subject to us in your name. And we know Jesus said, hey, don't rejoice that demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven, that you're a son or daughter of the Most High. That's your authority. Amen? And uh, so they come down. The, 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 this, this father is, you know, really beseeching these disciples. They tried. They couldn't, they couldn't cast out this demon. So he came to Jesus, and he says, you know, what's, Jesus is like, what's up? What's going on here? Why all the commotion? He's like, I brought my son to your disciples, and they couldn't cast out this demon. He told them all that was going on. And this is what Jesus said. It'll be on the screen. Matthew chapter 17. O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus just took care of business right there, right? He cast that demon out. Then a couple verses later, it says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Why couldn't we cast out this demon? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Now he's talking to people that believe in him as Lord. And he finished up by saying, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. 
I've never seen this before. It's, just, it's awesome. As you stay in the word of God, you see things you've never seen before because there are certain revelations that you need before God can give you new revelations. Amen? It's kind of that compound effect. Jesus really reveals two problems with unbelief. He's saying that, you know, being faithless and perverse is a part of unbelief. And then he gives two solutions to take care of it, fasting and prayer. Thank God that Jesus came and gave us instructions, amen? Now, when we look at faithlessness or being faithless or perverse, this is what this means. Really, that word perverse, if you look it up in, in, the, in the Greek, it means like, you know, um, corrupted or twisted. So Jesus wasn't saying that they didn't have faith. One translation says, you know, you're the littleness of your faith. What he's saying is, it is this, is you're disconnected from God. You're not as connected to God as you need to be in your focus. And then perversity, he's saying this, you're really too connected to the world. Because we can come to church and still not be really connected to God. I've been there. I'm sure you have been there. I'm sure we would all, if we would raise our hands and say we've been there. We've been there where our heart wasn't really connected to God, and therefore we didn't receive what we really, what really God wanted to give to us in that moment. Well, if faithlessness is not being connected to God and being perverse is being too connected to the world, the solution that Jesus gave was to pray and to fast because prayer connects us with God. It's that communion. We, when we open our hearts up to begin to speak to Him, we connect our hearts with God. Prayer connects us to God. And the powerful thing is this, that fasting disconnects us from the world so we can have that focus that we need in Him. Are you with me? Now, I want to get to kind of our aim of what we're looking for because I want to give you focus that it's, it's not just, uh, we're not asking you just to pray for our church. We want you to pray for yourself and for your family. We want you to be strategic about your prayers. And we're going to do it together. Because when you come into agreement, Jesus says there's power. Amen? And we're not going to agree just on anything. We're not going to just be like, you know, roll the dice and let's just hope something happens. No, we're going to be specific about scriptural promises that God has given us. And we're going to pray those prayers. We're going to declare those out. Can you say amen? But I want to help you with, just in case, because some people, you know, think about fasting and their minds can go all over the place. And I want to give you really four types of fast that there are. Now, this with the four types of fast, you can, you can hybrid them together if you want. Do what you want. The idea is that you just set a, this side of time for God for yourself. What do you, how do you want to do this? Now, I'm going to give you the four types of fast that there are. Number one, there's the complete fast. Liquids only. Uh, majority of people, if you never fasted, probably not a good idea. I've only done a couple of liquid fasts in my life. One of them was a 14-day fast. I knew that God had called me to that, and I felt the grace the whole way through it. Then there's another time I tried to do a complete fast, and I didn't necessarily feel just what I wanted to do. And as one man once said that he was fasting for 21 days just doing liquid, uh, the Lord spoke to him, you know, about 10 days into the fast, and was like, how's your diet going? He's like, don't call it a diet, Lord, I'm fasting. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> it's a diet. If, if all we're doing is staying away from food and we're not connecting with God, what's the point? It's about being disconnected from the world. And food does take up a lot of our time, especially in America. 
you know, we're the only ones really on the face of the earth that eat, you know, more than, you know, three or more times a day. Majority of people eat one, maybe two meals a day throughout the earth. That's just, that's just America. But there's the complete fast. And if you feel like you want, you're, you're called to do that, you know, then maybe just, you know, come and, and, and see and we can pray just to make sure because that's, that's a tough one. You really got to know. Uh, then there's the selective fast. This is where you remove certain foods from your diet. Could be taking treats away or taking meats away, whatever it is. If you're just taking something, don't take something you don't like, right? That's not a fast. I don't like peas. I'm going to stay away from them, <laughs> right? Now, uh, there is a sacrifice involved in prayer and in fasting. Can you say amen? Jesus had, a, he had the ultimate sacrifice. We can sacrifice some too. The complete fast, nothing but food, uh, liquids, which would be juices and water. Selective fast, removing something from your diet. There's the partial fast. It's removing a meal or so, or only eating like once a day. That's, that's really what I'm going to do. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not destroying anything. I just want to show you, um, and I'm kind of like, you know, doing some of these things together, a hybrid. It's, it's between me and God. And, and this, is, this is how I know, I, you know, as I've gotten older, it's hard for me to, like, do, unless I really felt God lead me, it's hard for me without having some food. As you get older, your body's a little bit different. So I found out this is a way that I feel at peace with God to be able to do just one meal a day. And my wife is going to do that with me in our house because it just makes it so much easier in your house and you're doing it together. Otherwise, what you eating? <laughs> right? <laughs> and then this last one, it has nothing to do with food. It really has to do with pleasures. It's called the soul fast. And this is where you're depraving your soul of comfort and pleasure uh, that take up our time and our, and our attention. There's so many things that we do that take up our time and attention. Movies, secular music, uh, social media, YouTube videos, TikTok. Come on. Have you ever like looked at your phone and see how many hours you spent on any of those apps? You know you can do that. You can go to that app and you can find out how many hours. Really? I spent that many hours this week on that? Oh my gosh. There's a soul fast. This is a great way, and, I, and I'm doing some of this in my, in my fast because I don't want to just draw close to God and still be connected to the world. Jesus called that perversity. I'm still, it's like tangling. I want you, God, but I don't want to give up the world. I don't want to give up my pleasures. I want you, the benefits of you as my Savior, but don't tell me what to do. You're not my Lord. Ouch. Amen. There's sacrifice involved. So here's the aim that we're going to do as a church, and then I want to get into some specific prayers that I want to pray together. So our aim as a church, as a, as a body during this fast, is going to be, number one, to connect our hearts with God's heart. We want you to really be intentional about connecting your heart to God's heart. And that first step is really just choosing. How are you going to fast? What, what type of those fasts are you going to do? How are you going to do something together? Whatever, whatever it is, it's between you and the Lord. If you don't do anything at all, it's between you and the Lord. But I, I know this, I want to grow, and I believe you want to grow. Do something. Even if you couldn't, even when it came to a fast, even it came if you, if, if you did something without food, maybe you can't do it every single day. Pick one day then out of the week, or maybe two days out of the week. But the idea is set it and then heat it. When you, when you set it, then do what you said you're going to do. Amen? And that just builds, um, builds your own trust in yourself because if you can't trust, you're going to do what you say you're going to do. How are anybody else going to trust you to do what you say you're going to do? 
Amen. So we want to connect our hearts, number one, our focus. We only have three points for this. Connect our hearts to God. We want to see what he sees, and we want to hear what he's saying. We do this by intentionally um, drawing closer to God during this time by spending more time in worship. When we gather together in these times of prayer that we're going to do, we're going to have some worship. Gather, grab together in worship, and we're going to be thankful according to his word. Thankfulness, when someone gives you something, you can't say thank you until you receive it, right? Otherwise, you're just saying, no, thank you. No, but when I take something, I, then I, I grab it. I, thank you for that. Thank you. Wow, what a blessing. So I'm looking at God's word, all these things that he has given us, all these promises that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ, and I'm saying thank you to these. I'm receiving them. I receive it. We only go halfway if we speak God's promises out, but we're not believing to receive them. And then we walk around and we get wore out. Thankfulness is a position of joy, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we're going to be talking more about this in this upcoming year, about joy, about thankfulness, because we want to set ourselves up in positions in God's word that we know that he'll bless us according to his word. Can you say amen? Number two focus that we want to do, not only do we want to connect our hearts with God's, we want to pray for those around us to experience God's heart for them. Because if we're really going to experience the fullness of God's heart, we, we, we cannot, I can rephrase it a different way, it's, it's, it would be impossible for us to experience the full measure of God's heart for us and not in return have a heart for those around us. Can you say amen? So these prayers that I, uh, we're going to strategically look at, these are prayers that you can pray over everybody. You pray, I've, I've already been praying these prayers over you for years, and I continue to do so. And sometimes, you know, you get caught in the sauce and, and, and you're doing things. you got to catch yourself. That's why you, you kind of shake yourself up. Oh, hey, we're not just going to go through the motions. We're going to be intentional about this, about receiving the blessing that God has. And number three, we're going to join our faith in agreement as we worship God, pray selective scriptures, and meet together for special gatherings. We're going to be doing this on uh, Wednesdays at noon, Wednesdays at 6 p.m., and Saturday mornings at um, 9 a.m. That's going to start next Sunday is when everything will start. Do we expect you to come to every one of them? Of course not. Everybody can't. But could you at least pray about, consider, and make a decision to come to at least one per week? That's only three times, three different choices. You're going to benefit from this. Number one, especially as, as Kathy said, you know, when you come in, maybe you don't know how to pray corporately. Hey, I learned how to pray by being in corporate gatherings. I went in and I was just silent. I prayed to myself. And it was one of the ways that God taught me to hear his voice because as I listened to the leaders that were praying at that time, I would pick things up in my spirit and then it would be confirmed by what they were saying. I was like, well, hey, I, already, I just got that. And sometimes it'd be like, you know, I would get that feeling. You know how you get the feelings like, oh, should I say something? I don't know. And you kind of hold it back and then you don't. And all of a sudden somebody says it. It's like, oh, well, I got that. And I didn't feel bad. It was like God showing me, hey, you hear my voice. And then I started to get confidence to be able to speak out what God wanted to speak as we were together. Amen? But I will encourage you to come to be a part of that. One of those, one of those and I know a lot of people can't come during Wednesday at noon, if you can, come for when you can. If you can't come for the whole hour we're going to be here, then come for partial. Just, just make a decision to come and think about that. 
And uh, you can sign up also in the back where, like Tammy talked about, there's those things. And there's no time slots of those. It's just, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in the morning. I'm going to pray, you know, around the noontime. I'm going to pray in the evening. And however long you pray, that's up to you. We're not, we're not putting anybody. I know a majority of people can't pray for an hour. Some people probably can't pray for 10 minutes. That's all right. You grow in it. But this is what we want to do. We want to come together. So why do we pray the scriptures? This is so important. This is one of the best scriptures I can see why we pray the scriptures. I try to base every single thing that I'm praying that I have a scripture for it and not take the scripture and push it into what I want, but finding the promise and beginning to line myself up with God's word. And then I speak the word as it says in Psalms 103, you know, heed the voice of the Lord. You know, you angels worship him, uh, you who, who, uh, who obey the voice of his word. Well, we become the voice of God's word when we agree with God's word. We're speaking God's word out, and we're putting God's angels to flight to bring about his word. Can you say amen? How many angels do you got on your watch that are unemployed? Right? We want to employ them angels. I don't want nobody sitting around taking a break. Get up, angel. I'm going to put them to work by speaking out God's word. And, and me speaking it out, I don't, I mean... I know there's times, you know, me yelling it does not bring any more faith to it. <laughs> I don't have to yell it out ah, in order to get it. Sometimes I have to yell out just to get the cobwebs out and the voices from the enemy that's trying to get in my head. And I'll just yell out, take that devil, and then it kick my shoe in the air and, <sighs> right? But you don't have to yell. I mean, there's times I know that can fit, fit the purpose, but at the same time, Faith, you know, your faith and your trust in God has nothing to do with your voice level. It has to do with your heart position. I choose to trust you. And I've, I've told, you know, some of my close friends and family this, this year, I've really just settled on this. There's times whenever we don't know what to do. And I've, I've said it so many times, it's been one of the strongholds in my life whenever I would answer a situation with, I don't know what to do. And I've changed that over this year. And now I know with everything that comes to me, this is what I say, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to be confident in, in my position in the Lord. I know exactly what I'm going to do in every situation. You know what it is? I say, God, I'm going to trust you. Every situation, it don't matter if it's favorable or not, I'm gonna, this is what I know I can do. I'm going to trust you. And that's a position of faith. That's a position of receiving. You may not know all the answers, but you know that he has the answer, and I can trust him, and you can trust him to deliver when you need it. Amen? Hallelujah. So here's why we pray scriptures. First, first, uh, first John 5, 14, 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, not just anything, anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. As my pastor used to say in this scripture, he, said, he would say, look, if, if, if the Bible says if we pray according to the, his will, we know that he hears us. So if we're not praying according to his will, even though we know he can hear, he don't hear us. It goes both ways. So this is why, this is where I base my going into, I'm going to pray God's word. And even as, as the scripture say it at the end of, I think it was Mark 
that he sent out his disciples and they went and they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Bible said, and, and Jesus went with them, of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit and he confirmed the word that was spoken by signs that followed. What were they? They weren't speaking their words. He told them and commanded them what to say, to preach the gospel. Tell, tell them everything that I have done, everything I've commanded to you, everything I've done for you, speak that out, what I've done, because I want to do the same in other people. Are you with me? So here's, here's the selective prayers. There's really four positions that, that, you know, that I've seen for myself um, when I come to worship and, and connect with the Lord. Um, and that is, number one, is like a place of worship. Number two is a place of reflection, a place of empowerment, and then a place of connection. We used to have bookmarks. I want to get them made up again um, with these things on them. We ran out. Um, but I'll, I'll have to get some more made up for you guys. But worship is where we give God our adoration and express our affection for who he is and what he's done. This is a great scripture right here. And I'll have all these scriptures for you next week. Whenever you come in Sunday, I'll have all these here. You can just take it and you can have them and use that to pray out or use your own. It's, it's fine with me, but you'll have a list of them. And this is in Psalms 100, 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. This is how we come into worship. Enter his gates of thanksgiving, in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. But he tells us right there, as we enter with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, we give thanks to him and we bless his Name. One of the best ways to get into worship is just to come in and begin to recite to yourself who Jesus is, who God the Father is, who the Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit, you're my advocate. You're my friend. You're the one who leads me into all the truth. Jesus, you're my Savior. You're my Lord. You're my God. I just begin to recite these things. And somewhere along, always, somewhere along the line, as I'm re remembering who God is to me, somewhere along the line, one of those names will just pop up in my spirit, and, and that'll be exactly what I need to worship on. You're my healer. Mm, okay, God. That's right. You're my healer. You're my defender. The enemy's trying to bring other people against you or himself. No, God, you are my defender. You're my defender. Amen? Grace, greatest way to worship. Then we have that time of reflection because, you know, in a way, the church has really gotten away from times of repentance. We need to repent. We need to repent when we go astray. We need to repent when we're too entangled with the things of the world. And this is why fasting comes involved to really just kind of shock us back to where we need to be, so to say. And make sure we are submitting to God because there's a lot of people that are in the church that Jesus is their Savior, but He is still not their Lord. And Jesus is Savior. It's just like, you know, God is love. He's, he's, he's a God of love, but he's also a judge. He will judge us. It don't matter if you're in the church or outside the church. We will be judged, and he wants to spare us from, from that judgment. That's why he sent Jesus. But there's protocol that he has for us. And as Lord, he has the right to say what is right in his eyes, and we can't make it be what we want it to be. What he's looking for is trust and obedience, Right? Trust and obey. There's no other way. So here's a scripture for reflection. 
And you can take this and just allow the Lord to speak to you. We, we do this in the time of reflection. We look you know, at our own hearts through the mirror of God's word. We're going back to God's word, allowing his word to speak to us. And then as he speaks to us, we need to respond as needed, whether with repentance or sometimes we need to forgive other people. Sometimes there's things that are in us that we just need to forgive somebody else. Or there's some repentance that we have and we need to you know, go to them and ask forgiveness too or just with God or with ourselves. Here's James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Already in, in two scriptures, we're, talking, we're seeing humility. Come and low. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. So we have the submission. You know, if, if we are resisting the devil and he's not fleeing, the next place you need to look is your submission. If I'm rebuking the devil and he's not going, let me just check submission here. And if I'm submitting and the enemy's, you know, something's still going on, then, Lord, I'm just going to trust you for your endurance to whatever it is I have to walk through right now because I know you didn't leave me. That is not you. You don't leave. That's, ridic that's a ridiculous thought for a believer to believe that God leaves us because he said us multiple times over and over and over again, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Then he goes on to this part in the scripture where he says, he's talking to believers here, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. One translation will say it this way, you're being double-minded. A better description of that in the Greek for double-minded is you're two-spirited. You want to stay connected to God, but you want to stay connected to the world. There needs to be some cleanup in order to go to the next level that God has for you. Don't be so connected to the world. Get closer connected with God. See, we can see that same thing in here as Jesus was talking about in Matthew. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow in deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. It's not saying that Jesus don't want us to have laughter. He don't want us to have, you know, a... Uh, 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 laughter and, 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 and joy. He's saying, hey, if we're kind of compromising things, then we can't walk around like everything is okay. We need to repent. We need to get this twistedness that's in there. That's another word for the twistedness that happens is called iniquity. You probably heard that in the scripture. Iniquity is the twisted things that we do. We don't eliminate God, but we don't take away what other things that are causing unbelief in our life. Are you with me? So we take this scripture. Another scripture you could use is just a love chapter. You, you look through this and just allow time for God to speak to you in any area. Begin to cry out. Be desperate for Jesus. And then here's the main scriptures that I want to focus on. I won't go into great detail on these, but here's the main scriptures that I want you to pray. Uh, you know, um, even if you only fast, you know, a certain time during the week or whatever, or a certain day like that, pray these every day. Number one, start with yourself. It's kind of like you ever see the air, you're in an airplane, if you've ever been in an airplane, you're in an airplane, and they tell you, uh, just in case cabin pressure would uh, decrease, masks will drop from ahead of you. And uh, put a mask on yourself first, and then you'll be able to help other people. See, if we don't have our heart connected to God first, how am I going to be able to help and really believe to connect other people's hearts to God? So we're not being selfish in just ourselves 
But we want to get our hearts connected to God, and then when our hearts are connected to God, we want to pray these same prayers over those around us, our family members. Our, and you can pray this over everything, and I'll give you a couple categories for that. But here's the scriptures. Number one, Isaiah 11, 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, talking about Jesus, but this is also for us. Because Jesus said, even as, even as I was sent and the Father anointed me, Jesus says, I've anointed you and I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me, the same Spirit that God gave me, I want to give you. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is so important because the fear of the Lord causes us to turn away from evil, which helps to keep us disconnected from the world. Amen? I pray this. When I go through these things, I'll pray and I'll say, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of wisdom. And I'll go down all the things. And I'll say, Holy Spirit, I receive your wisdom. That doesn't mean I walk around with all the wisdom that the Holy Spirit has. But I'm believing, whether in that moment or the time that I need it, that he's going to give me the wisdom, the understanding, the strength, whatever it is that I need, because that was his promise. Are you with me? And then Galatians. 5, 22, and 23, this is the fruit of the Spirit. I'll do the same thing here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Faithfulness. Did I say that? Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There we go. I know them all. (laughs) But I'll, I'll thank him for these fruits. And it's not the giftings that make us mature in God. It's the fruit that make us mature. So I'm asking, God, give me your love. Help me to walk in your love. And the, and the, the truth is, just saying, you know, give me your love, he's already given this to us by his spirit who lives in us through, through Jesus Christ. So I want to activate him. I begin to say, Jesus, I thank you for the fruit of your spirit. I thank you for your love. Help me to love like you. Help me to have the joy like you do. The peace. Remember, we, we're connecting our hearts to him because I want to see like he sees. I want to hear what he's saying. Because that gives me power. It gives you power to speak into our situations and have the power of heaven back us up. Amen? And then we'll go on to, here's some ones that we used whenever I was in Bible school, man. It's still, they're very powerful. We'd always have, even whenever I was a Bible trainer at our Bible school in, in, uh, in Florida. Ephesians, there's two different prayers in Ephesians and two in Colossians. I'll go through these real quick because we're running out of time. Ephesians 1, 16 and 19 says, Paul speaking, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Here it is. He's telling the same thing we just prayed. So that you may know him better. I want to know God better. Don't you want to know God better? I pray that your, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in, in his holy people and his um, incomparable, incomparably great power for us who believe. Chris Hodges did a great teaching on this in uh, you know, really breaking this scripture up, you can just say, you know, we're praying to know God. We're praying to experience and find more freedom. We're praying to discover our purpose, and we're praying in order to be able to make a difference. That's powerful. And this is not just something just for myself. God wants that. God wants this for everybody. I can pray this over President Biden. It's God's desire that President Biden would know him better. Amen. You can pray this over your enemy. 
What a better way to get back at your enemy. Oh, I'm going to sick Jesus on you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sick Jesus. Holy Ghost hounds. No, whatever they <laughs> what people talk. <laughs> people talk like that. <laughs> but these are things for yourself. How many times, and it, this is not con, uh, condemning because we go through life and we're just really asking, asking God, asking God for things, and we're not asking him for him. That's the greatest treasure. Search the scriptures yourself. He says multiple times over, I am your treasure, and you are my treasure. That's the treasure. So I pray, God, I want to know you more. Give me a heart to know you more. And as we're living in the world, there's going to be times it's not like I can just live untwisted from the world. As I'm living in the day, all of a sudden, the world's going to try to get in and try to twist a little bit again, and I just got to be focused. No, I'm not going to, I don't want to stay connected. I want to stay connected to God's word, because this is what makes a difference. Then we see Ephesians 3, another prayer. You can, you can make, just make these your own. I don't want to make them your own for you, because then it's like I'm doing all the work. You got to do the work yourself. Get into the word. Make it personal, speak it out, believe it for yourself, and then begin to pray these over other people. Here's the next one in Ephesians. I pray that, that out of his glorious riches, he, God, may strengthen you with his power through his spirit in your inner man. How many don't need more strength of the spirit of God in us? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the measure of the fullness of God. God don't want you just full. He wants you overflowing, because that's who he is. He wants you full, but he wants you overflowing because everything else is for everybody else around you. If you're just full, you're shortchanging everybody else around you, and that's not God. God is a God of more than enough, and the same thing that he does for you, he wants to use you to do for others. Two more scriptures, and we're done. Ginger, if you want to come. Colossians 1.9, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. See, we're seeing these things you know, coming together. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way. Man, God wants everybody to live a life that's worthy of the Lord. Another way to say that is live the life that God created them to live, that's pleasing to God. It's honorable. It's right. It's just. It's the best life that we can live, living in a way that's worthy of the Lord. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. We're going to need endurance and patience in the things that we're walking into in these end times. Can you say amen? And that comes by a greater knowledge of who he is. And I found this scripture sometime later as uh, early 2000s. You can, see, you can see things that aren't necessarily prayers in Scripture, and you just have a heart for it. You're reading across, you're like, God, I, I, want, I want that in my life. You can begin to ask Him. This is one of the things that was uh, Epaphras. 
He was from Colossians. We did that study on Colossians. But Paul said this, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. He's always, he's always praying for you. This is, what he, this is what Epaphras prayed, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Who doesn't need to be fully persuaded in all God's will for their life? Who doesn't need to be fully assured? 